there's no greater joy in life than becoming a mom or dad. And just when I got the hang of it, my own mom and dad started needing help too. If you're raising kids and helping aging parents, welcome aboard. You're one of us in the sandwich generation. This is the sandwich generation with Chris Godfrey. Chris was an offensive lineman with the Super Bowl 21 champion, New York Giants. Today, he is an estate planning and elder law attorney in South Bend, helping families make the most of their home field advantage. Hello, I'm Chris Godfrey, and welcome to the Sandwich Generation, where the friends of God really shine. Scripture likens the Word of God as a lamp unto our feet. In other words, it helps us to see where we're going. It contains very lofty thoughts like the Gospel of St. John, whose symbol is the eagle, but it also contains very practical advice and inspiration. Take, for example, Proverbs 31. It contains the words of a king to his son about being chaste, upright, and courageous. And it's very interesting to note that he got these instructions from his own mother, which is a great example of the sandwich generation in action. But I think this proverb is most memorable for its description of a worthy woman. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. And then it goes on for the next 20 verses with really beautiful descriptions of what such a woman looks like. And at first blush, you think, gosh, she's busy. And maybe you think that's totally unrealistic. But if you're looking beyond the superficial of merely tracking her activity, you see that it's her heart that's most praiseworthy. And after considering both the behavior of the son and the wife in Proverbs 31, you simply conclude it's all beautiful. And beauty has always been of interest to our guest. She's also a bundle of energy, and that's why her mother and I put her into swimming at a young age. And she's a newlywed and has started a family of her own, which gives her even more opportunity to create beautiful things. Her name is Mary Grace Narkai, and I was really lucky to grab her because her and her husband, Nick, who's a wonderful guy, are in visiting. And moreover, it took a little bit of persuasion because she's usually works in isolation and not used to having to talk and speak and be on much less on a radio show. But nonetheless, she's here. So welcome to our show, Mary Grace. Hi, Dad. Good to be here. So when you were swimming in college, you returned to one of your childhood hobbies. What was that? Sewing. Mm, and what made you uh, do that as you kept up with the demanding schedules of being a college athlete? I think you guys swam twice a day. Then you had homework. You're studying economics. Homework, dry land. So what, what made you do all of that? I always took my arts and crafts to college with me, but I didn't begin sewing again until I pretty much prematurely ended my swimming career with injury. And I found myself with all this time on my hands and I always wanted to create my own wardrobe and sew like my grandmother. So I believe I saved up babysitting money and bought a sewing machine just as I finished my swimming career. And ever since then, I've been sewing. (laughs) What were some of your early projects? Uh, My earliest projects were in high school. I I believe I convinced you to pay for some sewing lessons (laughs) and I made my graduation blouse for my graduation party. And then in college, you know, I got my fresh sewing machine. I started doing accessories, so handbags for my friends, and then gradually grew from there. How did you learn your skills? You self-taught? My grandmother 
is a Ukrainian immigrant, and she oh, worked my as mother-in-law. a mother-in-law. <laughs> yep. Opcha. Okay. She was a professional seamstress, so I was exposed to watching her sew and going into her sewing room and seeing all her fabrics. And in fact, that graduation blouse that I had made was her fabric. And my mom sewed all our book covers, our Halloween costumes, some of our alterations. And then it wasn't till after college that I received formal training. So it sounds like you just picked it up from being around family. Yes. I mean, you, you learn at a young age, you can take something 2D and make it 3D. And then I went back to school to receive some formal training. And, I, and I've seen some of my grandchildren in your studio. You're having fun training them and teaching them some things? Yes, I, I'm shocked that my niece, Gigi, since she was a few weeks old, she's been hearing the sewing machine and watching it. Um, my husband and I came back a few months ago, and Gigi walks right in, takes her fabric, turns on her machine, and starts making my husband a shirt. <laughs> I was impressed. She was making the sleeve and... I mean, it wasn't the best quality, but the fact that she could imagine what she wanted to make and then go ahead and dive right in and create something was impressive. So you're listening to The Sandwich Generation on Spoke Street Media. I'm Chris Godfrey, and my guest today is Mary Grace Narkai, a small-scale fashion entrepreneur who got her start just working around mom and grandma and her, her nieces and all the rest. Your hobby became a business. It grew into a business. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. I, in, I believe it was the spring of 2013. I had made my first Ukrainian embroidered dress. And my Ukrainian grandmother, she always told us to pass on the arts and traditions and the language and the religion. And I, I couldn't pick up the language. So I focused on the embroidery. And I was really excited Finished my first dress. I had it ready for Easter, and she passed away just days before Easter. And I was bummed. I never got to show her the dress. So instead, I created this blog and told the story about the dress. And then a few months later, my best friend got married, my sister got married, and I created bridal separates for them. And I posted photos, and the images went viral. My designs went viral, and ever since then, I've been... You know, working long hours, grinding in my studio, making bridal separates. And, and, and your uh, the internet's become a big part of your business. It's not like you have a storefront or anything like that. Nope, I'm just a girl in Southman, Indiana, making dresses for children all around the world. So, what are the challenges of having a, a small business? I bet you have to wear a lot of different hats. Yes, I, I do everything from the designs, the sewing, the marketing. The taxes. There are a few times I think I, I just got lost in the details and grinding long hours that I had to completely stop, readjust, take a break, come back and have a bit of a new business plan. Having an online business must be interesting because you kind of meet people from all around the world. Do you have any interesting uh, stories to share with us? Yes, I've found out that some of the weddings that I worked with and made dresses for the bride, the little girls in the wedding were children of royals or celebrities. So it's it's been a lot of fun working with brides and people, sometimes mother of the brides around the world. They all have their own way of communicating. They all have different style of weddings. 
and customs um, and religions. Yep. And and then you they send photos back and you're just shocked at who you made the dress for <laughs> or even just how extravagant the weddings are. Oh, that's that's very nice. Didn't a large luxury designer store once contact you about selling some of your Anagracia products there? Yes, I, a couple years ago, the Bergdorf Goodman, a high-end luxury store in New York City, their buyer contacted me. I pitched my work, um, but due to the nature of what I do, custom work, it wasn't necessarily going to work with them. It's hard to do a third party when you're doing custom work. So they it, it fell through, but... Then COVID hit, so luckily I avoided. I remember that day. In fact, we went out to New York together. I had a dinner to go to, um, but it turns out we got out there for a couple of days. And uh, once I got there, I realized that I was one dress shirt short. And so when you were in Bergdorf in your meeting, you had your big storyboard with all your design suggestions and ideas on this board, I went looking for a shirt. To wear later that evening for dinner. And the cheapest dress shirt they had in the store was $400. And, and I believe the neck didn't even fit you. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. And uh, so I think I, I remember just uh, going over to the clone counter, finding something I like and walking out with a unexpected I, I, little I, I sample. Think, I think you, you left with a sample that I liked. Okay. <laughs> so it's pretty feminine. <laughs> At least somebody liked it. That's interesting. But one of the things that I recall that's very difficult about your business. Uh, you know, from a legal background, we're, we're used to being able to protect our ideas, you know, through patents and things, intellectual property and things like that. But that's not the case in, in the fashion world. You know, people steal other people's ideas. And I was just flabbergasted when you told me that some outfit in China had stolen all of your stuff and, uh, and even called the knockoffs after you to, to uh, fool the the consumers thinking they were buying your stuff and that you would get calls complaining about the quality. Tell me about yes, that. Yes, I've experienced everything. I've had my my best friend who I created the first design with, we laugh about how all the jobs that she created from all the, the companies that were created from this knockoff. But I've seen small businesses and big companies use my images, even the words on my website and blog posts, just copy and paste it onto their website images of myself on their website, of my nieces, <laughs> and um, some have even bought my product and used them in their trade shows hmm. and marketing materials. So I've seen it all. Um, I I've, I feel like there are moments that I felt like I went crazy because it, you know, I took it personal. I didn't have my own kids, so my business was my baby. Um, but I had a really good friend, um, I guess a wise friend that had told me to, um, how I'm going to paraphrase what he told me, but he said, you know, fashion is the belly of a beast and maybe God put you in this position of influence and use it in, in a good way. Maybe you can teach, you know, influence people, inspire them to love beauty and, you know, dress modestly. I'm Chris Godfrey and you're listening to The Sandwich Generation, a production of Spoke Street Media. And with me is fashion entrepreneur, Mary Grace Narkai. And we're discussing making beautiful things. And Mary, as you were saying, what really kept you going when you had those challenges and, you know, people liked your ideas, but too much, they stole them and you were feeling like um, bad about it all. Higher ideals kept you going. And in fact, there was one statement attributed to St. John Paul II that we both like. The statement says, beauty gives us enthusiasm for living. 
And that's so true. Beautiful things do raise our sights. And you also like Giorgio Armani's saying that the difference between style and fashion is quality. Why has it become important to you to focus on quality, style, and something that you called sustainability in the things that you create? Um, I'm going to quote Andrew Goodman, president of uh, Bergdorf Goodman. He once said that the cliche of price and quality is true. If you buy a $5,000 meat coat, it lasts you 10 years. If you buy you know, a $3,000 one, it only lasts you a year or two. Mm-hmm. So quality it lives on, it lives longer. And, and I always feel like if I'm going to make you something custom, my, I always convince my clients or customers to, you know, splurge on the high quality fabrics. I also think, you know, well-tailored clothing is timeless and chic. There's much less consumerism and waste and you cherish your clothing and you can have a smaller wardrobe that, you know, lasts you much longer than the disposable clothing that you see in stores now. Mm -hmm. I also think with COVID, the supply chains have, you know, had their hiccups and the retail industry is, you know, going through their problems that it's even harder to find quality clothing. So there's a little bit of a niche out there for me right now. Well, you've been inspired by a lot of interesting people, a couple of whom you've introduced to me. One was uh, Sir Roger Scruton, the late Roger Scruton, who said that if you put usefulness first, you lose it, put beauty first, and what you do will be useful forever. And another inspiration of yours was the Spaniard Cristobal Balenciaga. Balenciaga. Is that it? Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about why he appealed to you. I think it was not so much what he created, but how he worked. Yes, he was a, not many people know about his personal life. He was very quiet. He didn't talk to the press. He didn't give interviews. And um, an historian compared him to almost the relig- someone in the religious life. He had such a devotion to the craft and worked in isolation. He didn't judge his craft on what people thought of him, even though now we love him. He was one of the very few designers that could go from the concept of his design and make it all the way till the end. He was phenomenal at, at his craft. And there's very few people today that can do that. So I, I'm inspired by that, but also in this world of so many influencers and trying to um, get buzz from you know social media and the, and in marketing that it's an inspiration to see how he did business and mm-hmm. how much he loved the craft and really forged it through. And you're, you actually had a more direct application of your faith by making a new line of baptismal gowns, special custom-made baptismal gowns. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I've always worked on baptismal gowns. I think in the months moving forward, I'm going to be doing more baptismal gowns because I'm transitioning my studio and I can't do as much of the bridal work. But it's important, the the sacrament and also many baptismal gowns have the hand embroidery. They're also heirloom pieces. Even some of the garments are made from the grandmother or mother's wedding dress, which makes it extra special. And speaking of weddings dresses, you just had your own not too long ago in January, and you made your own wedding dress, did you not? Yes, I made it. I made my own wedding dress. It was a quick wedding, so and we weren't even sure if we could have more than just our witnesses at the wedding. So mm. the, the dress was fairly simple, but my mom... <laughs> 
I think she worked every minute of her free time on the embroidery for the dress. And I'm just about to cut up the wedding dress and make it into a baptismal gown for mm. my own baby. Uh-huh. And and, uh, and before that, uh, did I see a, you working on a maternity gown this week? Yep, I'm I'm working on maternity clothes. <laughs> How is that looking? Um, it's a it's a learning process, but only a learning process is I thought something would look good on me, and you realize no, this is not going to work. But it was hard to find maternity clothes in the stores. Yeah. And it's nice having this skill and just sewing my my clothes myself. Now, how does that work? I know uh, women, they're all different sizes, right? So something's going to look good on one that doesn't look good on another. Is the same true in maternity where everybody looks the same in a sense? Well, I guess you. I'm learning the little tricks of, you know, covering up the arms here, adding this here to, you know, build an illusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, I just yesterday I had created this dress and I put way too much fabric in it and particularly the back of the dress and it was not where you wanted you know your hips to look big. So I had to correct that. And my style's changing a little bit as well. I'm I put a big bow on the shoulders to hide the back of the arms, which normally I would not, you know, my husband saw it and kind of laughed. He's like, That's not your style, Mary. I'm like, the I'm you know, I'm covering up my arms right now with this bow. <laughs> yeah, so you've got, you've got to work on your own style as a maternity. This is your first, so you've got to give yourself some space there. So that must have been the easiest wedding dress you ever made. And I'm sure the, the same with the maternity not, dress. Not, not quite. It was easy because I could do fittings on myself. But my brain, I... You know, I work with brides all the time. And sometimes I don't quite understand them. And I'm like in my head thinking, this is a bridezilla. Yeah, but when I became I a <laughs> when I became a bride myself, I realized that you have you're full of emotion, you have a foggy brain, and it was I I had the idea of this wedding dress that I was always going to make, but due to time I had to adjust it, and I kept adjusting it and changing my mind that I was almost left with I, I couldn't decide what to do, and came up with the design that I did do. And if I could go back in time, I probably wouldn't do that design again. But yeah, you, you being a bride yourself, you realize how much stress you're under. <laughs> so that's, that perfectly describes our listenership, people who are under stress. Why? Because they're trying to serve people above them in the generational world and also their, their kids as well. And so they got mm-hmm. lots going on, not to mention their spouses and everything else. So there's lots of stress in there. And one of the secrets that the Friends of God, which is a little subgrouping of how we see ourselves, these as being opportunities to grow in holiness and closeness to God, is to make everybody's life, lives around us a little more pleasant. Part of that is being cheerful, making things pleasant and beautiful, which is something you've always had an eye for. And so as you head into this new life, uh, have you found out what the baby's going to be yet? Yes, but I'm not going to announce it on oh, here. Oh, you're not going to announce it yet, but you probably think, oh, you Oh, gotta- I'll, I'll just say it. I'll say it. I'm okay. having a girl because I'm the, I'm using the, my wedding dress for the baptismal gown, so okay. that kind of gives it away. And you have a new little clothes horse model that you can make cute little things for. You're a little yes. more limited when you're speaking about making overalls with suspenders and things like that for little guys. <laughs> So what advice would you give to mothers right now with young girls who um, have lots of energy, okay, 
and, uh, and maybe an eye for creativity. How would you um, encourage them to, to foster these latent skills that they might have? I, after, when I came back and saw my niece just walk in my studio, come up with an, a sketch, she created a sketch, and then walk over to the fabric and the machine, all the tools, and create something. I thought that was really, really neat, and a lot of children might not be able to do. So I encourage them to do crafts with their kids or even sewing, have them sit right there. They might not have to do anything, but just let them watch. Make them think that they're helping. Give them some fabric to cut mm -hmm. while you're sewing. Mm -hmm. And it, it was it was, it was was amazing seeing my niece be able to do that because I don't, I don't think we're really taught to think that way in school, mm -hmm. to see, you know, come up with an idea and create it ourselves. We kind of just spit out information back to the teacher. A little too abstract. Mm -hmm. So that 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 was really neat. So let's see. We you you made your mark with with wedding separates, which was that lace tutus and uh, with the foo foo whatever you guys call that stuff. Lace leotards with big tutus or tulle skirts, and some bride. I made pieces for uh, brides as well. Yeah, I did some wedding dresses, uh, baptismal gowns. How about communion dresses? Yes, communion dresses. I've made many of those, and it's actually my favorite product to make. Most of the moms give, let the girls choose whatever they want. So you're making something that matches the personality, and the girls are so excited. It's their mm -hmm. special day. And some of the communion dresses were made from the mother's or grandmother's um, wedding gown, which made that extra special. And then this year, I'm really excited. My oldest niece is going through her – she's going to receive her first Holy Communion, and we're already designing her dress. Oh, very and nice. if you were to ask Gigi what she wanted right now, she would say, big and poofy. <laughs> and my sister just rolls her eyes. and like, I'm going to – she said she has to approve the final design. We're pretty sure that we'll take – my sister had this beautiful, long cathedral veil – that had it was really cool netting, so I think we're going to incorporate that in the dress and her veil, and we'll still give her the poofiness that she desires. Oh, nice, nice. Well, the Word of God is great at linking spiritual ideas with ordinary life, and in particular, I like the one where the housewife adds a little bit of leaven from the day before to a new lump of dough, and how it transforms the entire batch. And that's the kind of effect that people like you, Mary, that put love in what they're doing and our listeners who put love in what they're doing and serving their young ones in their everyday tasks and duties. No matter what the circumstances, we can always make our environments rise a little bit closer to heaven. So thanks for being with us today, Mary Grace, and good luck with the baby. And um, is there if somebody would want to take a look at some of the things we've been talking about or perhaps talk to you about a special project that they have in mind for a special day coming up, how would they get in touch with you? Yes. My business is called Anagracia, A-N-A-G-R-A-S-S-I-A. -S -S and um, you can order products there. But like I said, I'm taking a little break right now as I transition my personal life and my studio. But you can also go to my blog, which is marushamarusha.com. You can get there through my website, my Ana Gracia website. And that's a place where I show behind the scene, behind the scenes, my sewing, the stories behind some of my products. But hopefully you can go there, get inspired. Maybe you'll sew your own garment. 
And uh, I also have an Instagram page that you can look at photos as well. Okay, great. Well, I'm Chris Godfrey, and you've been listening to The Sandwich Generation, where we are better because of each other. I look forward to seeing you the next time. If you have a question about today's topic, feel free to email us at sandwichgeneration at redeemerradio.com. Comments by the host or any of his guests should not be construed as legal advice. If you would like to learn how to protect your stuff in three easy steps, call Godfrey Law Offices at 574-237-9000 or email them at info at godfreylawoffices.com. And for a free will offering, you can receive a copy of the Friends of God Rosary Booklet. Go to redeemerradio.com forward slash sandwich and fill out the form for more information. You can download this or any other episode of our show by searching The Sandwich Generation wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to like and subscribe. You've been listening to The Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.